Welcome to this week's episode of Safe Room, BladeDisgusting.com's Dead Pixels horror video game podcast, delivering a horrifying new episode every Monday. I'm one of your hosts, Jay Krieger. And I'm the other one, Neil Boat. And for this month's edition of Horror Bites, in which Neil and I highlight four bite-sized indie titles, we have a new bevy of free horror titles to chat about that can typically be completed in less than an hour. And a notable change the last month's debut of Horror Bites, we've upped the number of games discussed from two to four each, as the inherent bite-sized nature makes these quick but hopefully mostly memorable experiences. So, Neil, I'd like to start this month by asking you, what was your first Horror Bite title for us to chat about today? Okay, I will start with Invictus by Darren the Dev, which you can find on Itch.io. Uh, Brief plot description here. You escape the clutches of post-apocalyptic nightmare in the center of a dangerous, snowy landscape. Um, So, this was very polished i felt can you know it's um still a work in progress by their own admission but it's uh you know mostly about exploration it's got a little sci-fi horror edge to it reminded me a bit of alan wake not necessarily in terms of like what happens in it but in just how it looked and like the the mood going on in it i felt and Mm -hmm. while a lot of it was just like exploring with a torch and you know we've seen that a million times it's it really did sort of work as this sort of mood piece, if you know what I mean. The mood piece to it, I would attribute to it almost being something like uh, No Man's Sky. Yeah. Where a large portion of it is kind of wandering around this wilderness and you're really kind of just soaking in the visuals. And I mean, to build off of what you said, like it really is a surprisingly polished looking game considering, you know, a lot of these are, as you said, in development games or little kind of tech demos that we've uh, been covering and things like that. But this has a really gorgeous sort of aesthetic, but also just the developers showing that they know how to capture the landscape or the environment in a way that feels very enthralling. That like this, And it's not necessarily just the size of the environments, but I feel like each of the zones you visit in this do a good job of being just different enough or yeah. having some sort of like musical cue that's a little bit different or a little bit of uh, a change in terms of the general build of the landscape that while overall, like, yeah, it's a lot of wilderness covered in snow and whatnot. um, I felt like each zone at least had something that was at least a little more defining about it, that it didn't just kind of like feel like one big pretty field you were wandering through. Yeah, it it was very much uh, like that, but it was seemingly going more for mood and atmosphere than anything else in this early form and like I said that works for a short form piece because you're not dragging it out and you know it's quite beautiful some you know with the lights sort of going over the horizon and the gloom and the way it's presented is just like again like I said, really well done I was very impressed with that I, don't, I think it needs a bit more meat on its bones but I think that's obviously the point it's going to have a bit more to it in time but yeah it, it sets something up nicely I feel it has a very stable foundation i would say for seeing how they can build upon that it it's probably a good sign that in this very limited slice of what could grow into a bigger experience the one thing that we both seemingly agree on is that like they've nailed the atmosphere and the mood and you know granted they get a little bit more of a following or budget or development time or what have you they could flesh that out into the actual gameplay side of things because like you had mentioned I mean, there are enemies you have to avoid, and I think there's like one or two iterations, but in terms of the objectives, it's like you're running around and you're, I think it's, you have to find six data pads to click on, basically, and then that ends the experience. But I think it's a good first indication that if they're able to craft an atmosphere that we enjoyed kind of just exploring as it is, that's a pretty positive start to what could be something uh, noteworthy. Absolutely. So yeah, I think that about covers that one. So I'll go to you for your first pick. Yeah, so my first pick was Spiders Everywhere from uh, Soju and Ink, which is available on Itch.io and Steam. Uh, Notably, the art and animation are designed by Arnie S. Ressmuller. I hope I pronounced that right. And uh, Spiders Everywhere is a 2D side-scroller in which the player is a baby fleeing a massive spider and must either kill or leap over all manner of additional creepy crawlers. Um, This is... A game that I think the most sort of obvious comparison would be something along the lines of like Cuphead, Mm. where you're continually being pursued by something, so the player has to keep moving forwards. They're facing all of these enemies, and it is very much uh, one hit, one kill. Mm. And so there is that 
the hesitancy to keep moving, to only pause for a brief second to decide whether you're going to throw, I think it's a stone, at a spider that's ahead of you, or to leap or wait for it to kind of go through its various animation before you can kind of like safely pass by it. Um, So it is very, very fast-paced. You know, death is one hit, one kill, like I mentioned. And it is very clearly something that is designed with uh, like speed runs in mind, right? I could see this being something that would very much garner an audience on like a Twitch uh, or just like challenging friends or making Let's Plays and whatnot. Um, But I will say that the thing that stands out that makes this more of a standout from like Cuphead or gives it a little more of a personality and identity is the uh, black and white, like Steamboat Willie aesthetic to it, right? It's black and white, but then you've got this film grain and this old timey track that plays in the background that's by, um, I believe it's Pond 5, which I assume is a uh, a musician. But anyways, it kind of just all makes for this experience that is very one note, but it has a level of polish and, you know, it just got a patch actually uh, as of our recording of this, which I think even more so refines the player character movement yeah which obviously in a game when it's all about surviving for as long as possible and kind of timing is everything if anything like playing this game i don't know two weeks ago and then coming back to it with that patch my impression of it only increased my enjoyment of it only increased because it has that furthermore like refined uh gameplay and whatnot that is uh, so crucial to something like this but how was your time with it well, I think it looks like you know a very distinct look. That's, the way they've presented it is, you know, just like you said, despite the obvious cuphead comparisons, it's you know still very much its own thing. The sort of pre-code sort of era of animation that looks really interesting, and you know the concept behind you know oh, as a baby's dream nightmare about spiders being made into this endless runner style flappy bird-esque game oh yeah cool that that makes sense (laughs) and yeah the music works with that as well as a game did not did not get on with it at all no no, I'm not really a fan of these kind of games anyway um, in general Um, I find them personally to be a waste of time that's for me you know it just doesn't you know, I get frustrated at the randomness, if you will. It doesn't always feel like you're progressing or not progressing because of any skill or lack thereof. It feels like here's a game of chance. This time you're going to get it fucked by it, which you know I'm sure we've discussed this before. I have no problem with in a game if it's done right, structurally speaking. When it just seems to be the point of holding you back, uh, it just brings me back to the days of wasting 20p pieces on arcade machines to get like two two inches further. And I, the, the biggest thing going for it, as you say, is it's free and it's still being updated. So, you know, as you said, in the space of a couple of weeks, it can be a different game and be a tighter game. Absolutely. Um, you know, it's got a lot going for it. So I'm sure people who enjoy that will very much enjoy it more than I did. Yeah, I should have stated that it is incredibly difficult, mm. uh, and I'll admit that I did not even clear it. I watched somebody on YouTube after I failed, uh, probably spent 45 <laughs> minutes playing it or an hour trying it, and I just kind of like chalked up to me being shit at uh, most of these really difficult games. But that was my experience on the, I forget if they call it easy or normal mode, but there's two modes, easy or normal, and then hard. And I can't even imagine what hard is like. But I will say that, again, like four this being a very sort of bite-sized mm. experience that has a lot of longevity in it for some people that really revel in that challenge or the streaming potential. Um, I was impressed not only, you know, aesthetically, but also yeah. just in the general kind of game design of it. And especially with the enemies, um, that was something that while it was uh, maddeningly difficult for me, uh, it was the type of thing though, that I was able to appreciate the variety of enemies, yeah. which was not something that I was yeah, expecting. Was Again, high. like, He's like, yeah, you and I have, I'm sure, seen any number of games that try to channel Cuphead or Flappy Birds or whatnot. But I was surprised by not only the enemy type and the variety, whether it be the animation or their combat patterns, but also the uh, attention to like sound design. Yeah, You can identify every enemy before it shows up on screen just by the sounds they make, which was a level of detail that, again, you know, I necessarily don't know much about the developer or the team behind it or the individual and whatnot, but I was surprised at the level of depth and development for something that has been thrown up for free and whatnot. And, yeah. you know, 
there's plenty of games out there of a high quality that are uh, bite-sized and free, but it was something that I was taken aback by because there is this real idea that like if it had more of a backing or you know see where it is a year down the line it's the type of thing that I could really see flourish into an experience that could be rival a cuphead yeah if it has the backing and all those things behind it but yeah this was a game that while I was garbage at it uh, I appreciated a lot of what it set out to do and what it did achieve hmm yeah I, I will add I think one of the things that probably irked me most was that the random nature of the enemies wasn't didn't feel so much random it felt like they just piled one on top of the other so they'd be in one position first round and then they'd be all sort of start clumping together and then it kind of made it impossible in places because you know you can shoot 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 whatever but if you run that a little bit too fast you're done for you know and there it just felt like it didn't feel like it was being randomly assigned it just felt like the game hadn't remembered to reset itself and just so everything just cont- felt continuous but again that could just be the quirk of the game in its early form you never know i will uh, i'll definitely keep an eye on that and see how the uh, the furthermore like the development down the line goes but how about you what was your uh, second pick for us today so, yeah i mean this one surprised me even in playing it you know in terms of what the fuck is it uh, first, <laughs> but which was uh Mate, uh, which is the type of tea. Tea. Mm. I, might, uh, um, I had to look up to make sure I was saying it right because I picked two games with very similar names. Uh, this. Way, <laughs> uh, well, I'm glad you looked it up because I was going to call the game Mate. Yeah, that's what was me yeah, was thinking. <laughs> but because in the context of the story, they're talking about uh, a type of tea, and I was like, well, okay, so that's not going to be pronounced Mate. Uh, no chance. So it's Mate or Mate. Um, I've probably still got it wrong saying it. But anyway, it's <laughs> it's like four to five minutes long by their own description by Taratu on Itch.io. Uh, it's in a very Game Boy style green, you know, shades of green throughout the whole thing and tells this little story involving, well, this tea and it goes a bit weird and psychedelic and I can't say I'm entirely sure what's going on, but <laughs> it's it's a an interesting little snippet of something I felt you know it was a uh, felt like it was some lost thing from, from the Game Boy era which is probably the point you know and yeah it made quite good use of these really simple visuals and this, the, the fact that it's all just different shades of green you know and yeah was quite impressed for a visual novel which you had this very distinct idea of what a visual novel is going to be presented like and to have it like this was kind of like, oh it's a cool idea uh, so yeah for, for what it is in this little thing uh, I felt it worked really well yeah as uh, hypnotic and weird as its uh, narrative gets I'll say that this is one of those types of visual novels where the you know as you mentioned uh, the green Game Boy-esque graphical style of it really complements the type of story that they're telling yeah um, or rather, like, the feel of the story, I would say. It's able yes. to really capture that in a way that if it was more polished, it would not. But also even just, again, like, it's only a five-minute, give or take, experience, even if that, for a, a visual novel. But it does a really great job, I think, of capturing this mm. sort of, like, weird uncertainty that without delving into what the game is, the narrative part is actually about, um, it just it does a really good job of doing that, and it makes for a... Uh, a unique experience, I'll say, which, you know, at the cost of free and of uh, five minutes of your time, I'll say it left an impression and uh, it was it was a unique little weird thing <laughs> as po- as uh, hopefully that sounds more positive than I'm making it. But it is uh, it is an experience. Yeah, it, it's really hard to describe, I think, in without because it's so short and it's very uh, abstract in some ways. I think you, it is one of those things you need to play to sort of yeah. really get the point of what we're going for here and like I said I, there are parts of it I'm like still shrugging my shoulders and going <laughs> I kind of get the point uh, it's, but it probably is more experiment than story but it it's a yeah. worthwhile experiment, experiment. that's it uh, so pick two for you yeah so my second pick is going to be Fears to Fathom their Home uh-huh. Alone episode by Rail um, and this yeah. is on Steam and Itch.io again uh, so Fears to Fathom is an episodic horror portal, and then they have mm. individual episodes. Home Alone being the free version that I just mentioned is on Steam and Itch.io, and then 
I think there's a second one that's called like the Hitchhiker that is yeah. available for like three bucks or something like that. But anyways, for Home Alone, you are quite literally playing a kid that's home alone as uh, their parents are away for the weekend. And this starts out being sort of just very run of the mill. You're waking up from it. Your sleep schedule is kind of all screwed up. It starts with this brief text uh, that explains that the person that wrote or developed it wanted to do something more than just kind of recall this story and a Reddit post or something like that. So they've created this yeah. experience that is very much built upon putting you in the shoes of this kid that is home alone. It's kind of like the middle of the night. You, the only thing on your mind is like making sure you eat, trying to get your friends to come over to hang out and doing your homework, right? And so you're mm -hmm. in this suburban home and then you're walking downstairs to go like get dinner and everything like that. But very early on, I think it captures the great atmosphere of the feeling obviously of being home alone, but being a kid that's home alone and, you know, it's yeah. dusk or nighttime and whatnot. And the way in which it creates this atmosphere that it, you're supposed to be in a familiar place or somewhere that you're comfortable. And yet it never really feels like that. I think it does a great job of using liminal space in a way that you feel on edge. Obviously, you know, something's creepy is going to happen, but <laughs> it does a great job. I think for it's only a 20 minute experience, give or take, but it does a good enough job of allowing the player to become familiar in this environment, getting the sense that you are home alone. Um, and then what happens? The doorbell rings mm. after 20 minutes or 15 minutes of wandering around. And I won't delve into that element of it because that is the terrifying part of the game. And I won't yes. you know, spoil that. Uh, <laughs> trying to avoid spoiling any of these experiences like I did uh, regrettably la the last time we did this. But... Anyways, I think one element, though, that I will break down a little bit that gives this game a little more of a functionality portion or interactivity for the player other than just wandering around a big empty house is the idea that you can access your cell phone throughout the game to read messages. Yeah. And you periodically get notifications like you're texting with your mother, you're texting with one of your friends. But a feature that I really like about that is that you can scroll through older messages that haven't been yeah. sent during the real time of playing the game. And, you know, in addition to getting an achievement for that, it gives you a little more context of like who you're playing as the relationship with those two people that you've been talking with, which, you know, it, it, in saying that it sounds like a very simple thing, but at the same time, it's a smart way to give players the option of getting a little more depth out of this. Even mm. if they don't necessarily want that, then they're going to very easily avoid that. But for somebody like you and I, who enjoy finding out a little bit more, doing a little digger deeping, deeper digging rather. It's the type of thing that I can appreciate. Hmm. At the same time, it never feels intrusive to the exploration piece. So that's an element that I appreciate other than, you know, finding a note scrawled in the refrigerator or whatever. Your parent leaves you a note somewhere that says like, oh, don't go to bed at a reasonable time. Don't watch too much TV. It feels a little more organic in fleshing out that world in these characters. Yes. Yeah, it's um, yeah, I really got on with this one really well. Um, again, we've talked about this on the previous episode of this that mundanity, the mundanity of a normal day is what seems to drive a lot of these uh, horror experiences and makes them very relatable. And we spoke last time how one of those felt very close to what I've been through in certain work conditions and you know like we have this like it's just you and then you're in control of this whole business effectively at a time when no one else is around but you have to deal with people coming in and out here it was like I had these distinct memories like a few times when I was in my teens and like because of work or whatever I couldn't go on family holidays like that so I'd be stuck home alone for like a week or two and there'd be all sorts of stuff like this where it's fine and then you just get to that sort of you had these little objectives in your day which is like <laughs> well I've got to go and eat now well I've got to go to sleep now well maybe I'll have a friend around that sort of thing and it's yeah it really brought that back and also just the kind of you know even as a horror loving kid you know at that point you had these moments where you're like yeah I really do notice that nobody else is in this house now normally mm. it's weird now when you say it to your children when they go on about being scared about going downstairs because it's dark or whatever and you're like but we're here we're all here in the same house right. you know there's nothing to be scared of there's not a door between us if we had this door open like that and yet 
I think back to my teens and you still have that in you where you like feels you feel the difference in not you know with that and um yeah getting someone ringing on the doorbell when you don't expect it or some kind of complication that sort of takes you out of this really is uh unnerving and yeah there's something quite beautiful about that whole waking up from a nap going downstairs getting something to eat and then watching the tv then going back up just to escape the sort of aloneness of it all you know Mm -hmm. and i thought that in itself was just fantastically realized and i think this sort of lo-fi visual quality has where it's you know it's not like trying to be photorealistic or anything but it manages to pull off quite an authentic look despite looking quite retro you know and i thought that again was this thing that brought back that nostalgia like it's some fuzzy memory in your head of uh, something and despite it being a very obvious sort of you know scare that's coming and you can see when from that disclaimer at the beginning about wanting to sort of set, tell this story on reddit or you know creepypasta style stories that it's going to go a certain way and yeah blah blah and you know and the ending you could see coming but when it's done like this and it's really effectively built up that's that's what makes a, a jump scare or a, or a you know, reveal important and work is you've done the work to get there and yeah. then you've got that reward where it's the anticipation of knowing that the dread the dread the dread now bam it's going to hit you you know it's going to hit you at some point and still gets you well that's the thing that you know we highlighted in a couple of our uh, picks for the last episode of horror bites mm. in that the pacing is so key obviously you only have essentially a limited amount of time to tell this yeah. experience or have this and if not like the crescendo of building to that you know i think you'd coined the term that a lot of these horror bite experiences are very much like a scene from a horror movie so they have to follow yeah. that sort of pacing and this hmm. you know like the big scare at the end is not something that you can't see coming but again it puts in the work and it puts in the time and establishing you know the setting the person that you're playing the sort of the banality of sort of just like being home alone, nothing to do other than, you know, the basic necessities mm. and whatnot. And then once it does that work, that ending payoff then is much greater. And I think that this is a great example of that. And, you know, if anything, this is the smart, I can't speak obviously to the next chapter that they released. And I don't even know it, the next segment, I won't call it a chapter. Cause yeah. They're uh, the hitchhiker one that came out. It's not connected. with uh, this, obviously. Uh, Norwood hitchhike. I think is the name yeah. of that one. That's what it is. I think that this is a perfect, you know, free introduction to the types of stories potentially or the attention to storytelling that Fears to Fathom uh, is looking to tackle. And I think this is a positive uh, first uh, segment for people to kind of become familiar with maybe the style or gameplay or storytelling that they want to tackle. And uh, I'll definitely be checking out uh, that uh, Hitchhiker segment in the future. But Neil, how about you? What was your uh, third pick for us? Third pick. Should it, should I do it? Should I go f- from Mate to Moat? I will. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Moat is my next pick from, by uh, Niven Head- Headinger um, on Itchio again. Um, basically, this is a gothic-style medieval horror adventure which follows the Knight of Lendeberg, Dagarik, who has suffered from his past mistakes long enough and now has to face some tragic events and venture to fight the wicked. Uh, this is a project that was done in about a month and by one person, developing their own scripts, working hard on story and mechanics. It's fairly large by that standard when you think about it. Um, contains warnings that you know there's self-harm, depression, anxiety and PTSD as being themes in this. But what drew me to the game uh, from just, you know, because as we said before, we pick these basically on just like, this looks, sounds interesting, so this is what we'll do and here I like this sort of uh, early 2000s first person shooter style aesthetic where it's like you know you have the open areas and you know fog sort of covering the near distance and everything's very low texture quality but distinct enough that you get a sense of identity mm. and here you know that you had this very snowy sort of arena and these you know, blossom trees with pink blossoms really offset that and you go on this little trip out and it's basically like a, a melee based quake 
type game, if you will, in mm. that sense, because you are you have an axe you type thing, and you end up fighting enemies on your way through this journey. But you go to these places that look almost unnatural and hellish. You know, there's a part of the journey that takes you through these um, this mountain range that is very red. You know, it has this really red hue and just seems like you travelled between places, you know, um, from where you start in your little snowy shack out in the middle of nowhere to this, then to a gothic castle. And, yeah, it, it goes to some weird places. I was really impressed by the sort of variety of it, you know, especially considering it was, you know, largely done by one person. So it's a really, really interesting little thing. Yeah, this game really reminded me of uh, like Heroes of Might and Magic, Dark Messiah, or Heretic from back in the day. Mm. Uh, in that regard, and I was really appreciative of the sense of atmosphere. Right, I think that mm. you know from a gameplay standards, and you know not to obviously the all of the all of our commentary I feel like has to have well at least for titles like this that were made by one person in a month, it's all relative in that regard, right? But yes. it's like the gameplay didn't stand out to me that much other than that accomplishment, which I myself would never in a million years be able to do. But I was very much appreciative and what I thought stood out the most was just the sense of atmosphere and the setting and being able to do yeah. very little with, you know, the sort of obviously the limited look of the game, but like you had mm. said, those sections that have that sort of like the red hues that bleed in or the red fog that kind of like show you that, okay, this is a moment where this character is sort of in the throes of their either PTSD or depressive sort of memories. Right. And I think that that's reminiscent early on from when you're walking through and you see like skulls or graves everywhere. And then you kind of are learning little bits of the sort of past traumas and things like that. And I liked that, you get one or two sentences of like flavor text. It's never anything that's like, you're not getting a tome of text or backstory, but you're just getting just enough kind of like flavor text. And then the atmosphere does the rest of conveying those uh, emotions or those just general like events that clearly are plaguing this person that doesn't talk much throughout the game. But I will say in what little writing there is, I thought that it was a peg above what we're used to in some of these games where it's like, okay, Hmm. There isn't a lot of what's here. It wasn't made in a great amount of time on probably no money and almost no time. But it is the type of thing, though, that I'm always appreciative when they're able to do a lot with very little. And again, it's kind of like uh, what we talked about with Invictus. If they're able to capture a sense of atmosphere in this brief, limited slice, I would have a lot more faith in something that captures that sense of atmosphere in what is, I don't know, a 15-minute experience. And the gameplay stuff, it's like, well... If they're able to do this much with this little in this short amount of time, imagine mm. what they could do with a year's worth of development or two years, something like that. So this was definitely a, uh, an impressive dark fantasy showing in terms of establishing that uh, that setting and whatnot. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, it's another one of those games that takes advantage of uh, having a retro look where things used to sometimes look quite detailed in some aspects and not mm. so much in others and then you have this sort of bizarre clash in your head about that that didn't used to matter as much because you know you were like it was still like better than anything you'd ever seen mm-hmm. and as i said before that now sort of translates into this thing that suits horror a lot better than most because it feels unnatural and weird and in the right ways and yeah this is definitely one of those where it feels like it works for the game and the story they're telling so uh on to your third pick so my third pick is the descent um, which is on itch.io and Mm -hmm. it was uh programmed the story was written and the music was composed by jp bash uh this entire experience takes about five or six minutes depends how uh how much exploring you want to do uh, but this is a browser-based, you know, notably, uh, this is one that you can play in your browser. You don't have to download uh, anything yeah. to play it. This is a uh, browser-based isometric sci-fi horror game in which the player plays an investigator that is uh, responding to sort of emergency broadcast that there is a missing crew of the research vessel, the Valise, number 11. And yeah. uh, the player needs to explore the vessel to try to find out what happened to the crew 
and what caused their uh, untimely demise. Um, this was notably made in one week for a uh, game jam. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it is very much, graphically speaking, uh, reminiscent of that. It is very kind of like blocky and pixelated. And yet there is a level of detail in the ship itself that I thought yeah. it really plays to the to the strengths, I think, or the limits of that graphical style in a way that it never feels confusing of what you're looking at. If anything, a lot of the sort of just graphical style looking very blocky and pixelated, the things that you're supposed to hone in on, if anything, pop out the most in a way that I found to be, you don't need a lot of like indicators of, oh, I have to go here, or I need a big sort of like exclamation mark, go investigate this, because... Those yeah. environments speak for themselves in a way that I found to really welcome the exploration, but also serving as a more organic, you know, as I just said, sort of like exclamation mark of come investigate me because I look the most different from a majority of the other environments. Mm-hmm. But I will say that, again, this is an example of a game that is very reliant on the flavor text of things that you interact with. And yes. there is a, for as rudimentary as the game looks, there is a very advanced level of stacking on sort of the narrative, but also each little clue that you find pushing the player in the right direction in a way that it presented a level of depth that I was taken aback by in a way that I actually played this more than once. And, you know, I think I said earlier, notably, um, it only takes about five or six minutes to play, but I played it twice just so I could see if I missed anything because Hmm. it is one of those bite-sized games where... I just wanted it to go on for longer. And it was more about understanding and exploring the world and, or the ship rather. And without, you know, delving into what you uncover and all of those things, this has a fantastic ending, I think. And it has an ending that is reminiscent of some of the best sci-fi horror that I've, uh, I've experienced and something that is very, again, rudimentary kind of looking, but it is, uh, I would say it's leaps and bounds above that in terms of its design and structure. That was a, a lovely surprise. How'd you get on with this one? Yeah, I think this is a really impressive piece of work considering you know it was a week's work and a few people sort of helping out on it. Um, you know, showing my age here, but it, it reminded me of you know not visually, but like uh, in terms of the feel and the, the design of it, felt very much like ZX Spectrum era sort of game. Hmm. Where you like go, you go from, you know, every room is a screen, you know, every room is one screen, and that's it, sort of thing. And you go to the next, no, to the next. And, and you're never quite sure what you're supposed to be doing exactly, but you get a vague idea from just little cues in terms of what's on screen. And yeah, it, it's amazing that doing that. And the visual style they've chosen with this very, like, if very pixely, but so much detail in so little you know it's like um it uses a very ambiguous sort of sense of uh style but still manages to get across everything that it needs to in that and having you just walk into things and then it's give you a little text pop-up about what's going on with this thing rather without you interact prompting it you know yourself mm-hmm. with a button press it's smart you know i think in an experience like this because then you're not accidentally missing things because you didn't press a button <laughs> and um and yeah it builds nicely you know the little you know the smartest thing about it is like is, is the fact that it accomplishes all these little typical video game cues to sort of say well you should probably go here you should probably go there and then you know in the background of that as well you've got something happening to sort of tell you you're going in the right direction because you know something will skitter across screen and then behind you or something's different here and yeah it was remarkably well done and just built to the climax it, it fully earned you know it was um remarkable in that regard, considering how much it packs into such a short runtime mm. it's um yeah perfect pocket piece of horror in that regard i think that this would be in terms of like what we've all what we've talked about so far this would be the example of the types of little horror bites that i would want to seek out more you know and i think that it it's probably the best example of like it doesn't matter whether this is going to be one of our picks is going to be something that is downloadable whether it's just browser based you know it it really is a fantastic example of like dispelling any 
maybe biases or indications of like, oh, well, I'll, I would rather look for something that's downloadable so it might look better or something like that. You know, it really yeah. it shows the full potential and why, you know, I think this is a segment that uh, we're going to have a lot of fun with and <laughs> for the next, uh, for the, in the future, but just because like, yes. you have to check your expectations going into something like this because it just reminds you that it's like, it doesn't matter the tool set of developers, uh, at their fingertips it's more so like if they have the creativity it's going to shine through regardless of graphical limitations or processor limitations or whatever but yeah, the, yeah. this was a uh, a a highlight of my week i'll say yeah yeah i can understand that what was your fourth and final pick for this month yeah it's going to be somewhat deflating um <laughs> it isn't it, which i don't think is necessarily the fault of the game or the developer here i think it's just unfortunate you know bad messaging sort of kitting us to pick something that didn't really work mm. uh, and that is Nightmare by Cab City 13 right so I will caveat two things here especially first of all not only is it a game jam submission from this year uh, about two weeks ago at this point of us talking here and they note that it's their very first game jam game but you know what happens in it you're in like a cabin Mm-hmm. You've got some things to do. You're supposed to go out hunting. You can interact with a few things, and there's sort of like a little visible sort of glow to things, even though it's quite black and white otherwise, uh, that indicates what you are supposed to be doing next. But you run out of things to do, and then nothing happens. Um, I don't know if it happened for you, but I just I could not leave the cabin. Yeah, so that was the point that I got to as well, where it's like you wake up in your cabin, you can interact with a couple of things, you have to find your keys, you find a note that alludes to like your wife essentially left with the kids, you can mm. look at an old hunting trophy, you go outside, you come back in, and you're kind of are introduced to this concept of like there might be an else world, and then it kind of just ends, which, you know, I think all of that takes maybe 60 seconds, if that. But yeah. I will say, I didn't realize that this was their first game jam and that I believe... It said they developed it in, what, two days? 48 hours or yeah, something 40, like that? Yeah, 48 hours. Yeah, but, you know, as limited as it is, and, you know, it is a, uh, a telling that, you know, I was frustrated by how short it was, but at the same time, I was like, I want to play more. I think that that's a, that's a good indication, you know? This is it. It's, um, again, one of those Game Boy era-esque things, you know, without being green, mm-hmm. um, <laughs> where it, it just feels like it would be the start of something really intriguing and yeah the, the the setup seems like it's going to go somewhere and it's a little frustrating it doesn't and this is where you know I, I get that um you know developers aren't always you know starting out like this aren't always going to have the communication skills to sort of get that across and give the right caveats about their work and think that saying you know oh it's a game jam thing is kind of enough you kind of maybe do need to say well this is how long it takes. So we said this with a couple of games already. It tells you how long it takes. It tells you that this isn't finished or something. And you can then go in with that expectation. This didn't say very much. So it was worrying me that it was broken until you sort of <laughs> brought up surprise <laughs> at it. And I was like, and I was kind of relieved. So yeah, I think for what it does, it's good. Um, but it's, um, it needs more basically. It, that's just it. It's, um, got the bare bones or something hopefully they'll do more with it yeah i'll say it sounds uh it seems as if it is kind of like the intro to a twilight zone that that then ends at the intro <laughs> so yeah you know <laughs> like the power went off just before yeah. <laughs> but yeah so um we go on to your final pick yeah so my final pick is you will not remain by uh, bedtime mm. phobias which is available on steam and itch.io once again uh, this took me about 30 minutes to complete, um, and this was made in 48 hours for the Women's Game Jam of 2021. And yep. You Will Not Remain is eldritch, a post-apocalyptic setting. There's been this event. The sky is now purple, and there's this mysterious sort of like cloud or almost ethereal look to everything. Mm. And it very much is channeling the uh, the mundane nature of, you know, like a COVID lockdown, right? So you're basically yes. trapped in your apartment. There's some threat outside, but it's not so much concerned with like something getting in. It's just sort of capturing the the boredom 
of being trapped in your apartment, which I think is something that a lot of people over the last few years could, uh, could relate to. But yeah. this was one that, again, I was appreciative of the sort of like Game Boy 8-bit era graphical style of it, but it having a lot of detail and there being some really great writing in this game. For again, as brief of a slice as it is, you get a good sense mm. of like the thought process of this person, the survivor that you're playing as, their, you know, the day-to-day boredom, but also like channeling their mental state, sort of dealing with the uh, the depressive nature of being alone and being trapped in your apartment. And then playing that out against this backdrop of like, there's something outside. There's something that could kill you, but more than likely it's not coming through the walls or the windows. So you are left to really deal with the repetitive nature of household chores Mm. in the face of the apocalypse. I thought that it had a really, uh, a, a great range in terms of its writing, but also in terms of like interactability with the various items in the house that you can interact with. And it, it feels like something is gained from interacting with them every time. And nothing felt like yes. it was sort of just, oh, let's include more features or something like that, or we need something here, otherwise people will be bored. It feels like everything has, serves a purpose, whether it be establishing the setting or the players, uh, or the characters, rather, their uh, sort of deteriorating mental state. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it reminded me of, um, I don't know if you've seen um, Bo Burnham's Inside. Yes, but- the the skit with the uh, Twitch player playing this game that is just Bo Burnham stuck in his room crying about having to do mundane things and <laughs> that's the point that's the game uh, uh, it reminds me of that like this is like the full version of it you know and that's a good thing for me by the way I think that's it the idea of the game like that works and but yeah I, again I was really surprised at how well done this was it just you know very simple like uh, drawn on a piece of paper style look to everything, you know, and you know, what is supposed to be unusual is unusual enough to stand out. Yeah. You know, and like the only hint of color in the whole thing is purple, which is to <laughs> show you what you need to uh, interact with mm-hmm. and to show you the presence of this eldritch thing that's taking up the sky outside. And yeah. I think the mental health thing was really a fascinating part of the game in that, it, you know, it, it didn't just, it wasn't wailing about this, that and the other. It was more about, you know, not saying, oh, I'm going to kill myself every five seconds or anything. It was just, oh, I'm, you know, just kind of like shrugging my way through each day, doing this, mm. doing that, whatever, like that. And, you know, even like talking about, like you were saying, interacting where everything kind of has a point at because the character will sort of comment on it and in this increasingly navel-gazing way that's just like kind of like, oh, yeah that's, well, I hope you kind of feel better about that but and yeah the introduction of, of a pet effectively in this game is what makes uh, them start to feel a bit better about themselves whilst also still really kind of then raising the terror level about what's going on outside and about their own past trauma Mm. and yeah again it builds nicely to a point where it could go wrong but it doesn't uh, in some ways and yeah I I love that sort of thing where you you think something terrible could happen and something awful about it is going to go on but it sort of pulls back from it you know it it literally takes you away from it for a while and has this sort of like "No, no no trying to reassure you no this is what you want and that had levels to it that I really didn't expect I I was very impressed with that it doesn't feel contrived which is you know it's games dabbling in mental health and things like that is not a new concept but Mm. in it becoming more common or you know again it's all relative but more commonplace in games and exploring that side of uh, the human condition and whatnot. sometimes when they're trying to tackle a subject like that like you had said it's like well I'm I want to kill myself and this and that over and over and over and that doesn't feel as legitimate because so many of these games sometimes it feels like they just lean in the extreme for the entire experience to the point it feels a little disingenuous because it's like well yeah if somebody feels like that all the time then that would be sort of that would be a crisis moment and things like that whereas in this game it 
does a great job of kind of that wave of depression or mental health, right? It's kind of that where you have these highs and you have these real low lows, but then you have this sort of medium almost that kind of like holds you off until the next big spike. And I think that in that medium between the two extremes is where this is able to feel like real emotion that somebody that is obviously writing and developing this is able to put a real experience into it in a way that if you hadn't had these types of experience, again, it would feel like one extreme or the other again, which I yeah. find personally to be a little contrived sometimes. In ter- and again, it's a 30 minute experience. I think that's something that always has to be in the back of everybody's head in terms of like the range of mental health topics it's able to talk about and to explore. It's quite a remarkable feat, I think, in span of 30 minutes. Mm. And once again, it comes back to this thing of making the mundane a horror, you know, and yeah. Like I've said before, this is something that works for me so well. And whilst also upping the dread and the unnerving nature of what's going on in the background and how it ties into what the character is trying to ignore about their own recent past Mm. with this situation. And whilst also craving companionship. And it's, yeah, like I said, it's really just really smart you know this kind of storytelling to be done in such a short form way and so well you know considering how much it repeats itself and that's the point like i said that's why it reminds me of that whole bonum skit is because it's just like oh well, i guess they'll cry again sort of thing you know it's um you know the whole thing is just them trying to get through the day without too much hassle knowing that you know knowing what's going on outside while still trying to be like well, it's not really changing much about how I am right now and uncomfortable here and safe here, but it then throws that sort of wrench in the works to make them care about mm. something. And, you know, and that, that's optional as well, but to the degree that, to which you can care, uh, which, I, again, I think is perfect for that kind of story, that you are allowed to give your own sort of input into how much you can care about the things around you in your room you know do you water the plant do you make sure you eat do you make sure you drink all these things are optional if you really want them to be uh, to a point and the end objective is always like well I guess I'll go to bed there's another day gone <laughs> dusted nothing else has really happened so it, it, it's yeah wonderful yeah it's a really fantastic example too of like a game where it's like if players seize promise i suppose in this it's like they're rewarded the more they explore this world and you get more out of it for the various of course you know uh whether it be the writing and whatnot i think that just a game like this that is such a you know i say it's bite-sized but it feels like a very full experience in a way that Mm -hmm. maybe sometimes eludes some of these bite-sized experiences right some we've described a lot of them as uh, feeling like slivers of an experience whereas this you know I don't know if I necessarily would want a longer version of this or expanded version on this because no, it nice. so strongly achieves what it sets out to in that short span of time yeah, yeah I'd say it's very feature complete it is exactly what it was meant to be you know mm-hmm. I, I mean that, that's going to be the way sometimes what we're doing here is that some games are made to be short term experiences some are made to be experiments and yeah yeah we're always going to judge them based on what they are not you know trying to sort of <laughs> lump them into the same way but right yeah this is very much a, an impressive thing and you know something i'm inclined to think will be mentioned towards the end of the year when we talk about like the games we played this year because you know it came out this year so it counts mm-hmm. for yep. a start but you know it's the fact it's free by the way yeah if you're yep. going to uh, download it on steam and that in itself is uh, doubly impressive because you know they're giving away all this, you know. And I, I doubt you'll find games you paid for with um, this kind of level of experience, you know, in the indie space for horror quite as good. It, it's um, yeah. If you can find a way to give them money, I'd say that they deserve that money absolutely. Yeah, you know, I think uh, it's available obviously on uh, Itchio, like I mentioned, yes. but. I- Definitely, uh, if you enjoyed it, kick them a few bucks like uh, like I made a point to just because I enjoyed it so much. And it's the type of thing mm. that it's like, yeah, it's free. But at the same time, like, and I think we both ch- mentioned this 
in the first episode of Horror Bites that it's important to, you know, a lot of these are free or they're all free that we're highlighting. But at the same time, when there's the option, definitely support developers that are making experiences like this, even if they're free, because otherwise yeah. there isn't the not everybody's in a position to continue developing stuff if there's no yeah. money coming in from it. And so, you know, it's. It's important to support artists, obviously, and developers that are uh, passionate about what they're doing because making games is uh, time-consuming and it's expensive. Supporting artists for uh, doing what they're doing is important. Yeah, I mean, I, I tried to do that with this episode and the last to wherever I can to kick a couple of bucks at least to each thing because yeah. regardless of how I felt about it because it's incredibly hard work, you know, at any level and to see people trying out these ideas in different stages of their career and you know you want to see more of it you want to encourage it especially when we live in a, a time where you know consolidation is happening more and more among the bigger parties you want something else to be out there especially for the horror space for us and this is always going to be the healthiest way of getting that and i think as we talked about today and last time you can get such wonderfully rich experiences out of the shortest thing uh, you know this is something I've discovered in recent years the same with movies it's like you can go back to the start of cinema and find things that are like mesmerizing and captivating because you understand the context of why they're so short why they are like they are and you can appreciate what it did for that time mm. and it's much the same way here with these short experiences in the very 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 independent nature it feels a bit like that and a bit like you know the the burgeoning indie scene in cinema when it came up where there's all these exciting ideas and experiments and down the line a lot of these people are going to be making something for themselves that ends up being um, you know someone's favorite game part of why i'm so excited about this segment that we've started and that you get to highlight things that you know not to say that we were super aware of any of the things that we've been talking about before they came mm. out or even, you know, as recent as uh, a couple of weeks or months after their release. But it's it's great to have a space where we can highlight games that are yeah. more or less like passing by a majority of whether it be horror fans or just gamers in general, you know, because they're so small and relatively, you know, generally speaking, from unknown developers. But I think it's great to have a space that we can highlight those talents and whatnot and really we're again we're at our humble beginnings of uh, safe room but the idea that we could have a platform to boost those voices um yeah and you know it helps that they're free so if people are inclined to they can check them out but it's the type of thing though that you want to support them as much as possible and uh yeah this is a feature that i think will uh, will likely be a highlight of both of our months moving forwards yeah absolutely all right well that's going to do it for the uh the second episode of uh horror bites and Neil, as always, it's a pleasure chatting horror with you for Safe Room. Absolutely. Until the next time. Thank you for listening to another episode of Safe Room. Please consider following and rating the show on your preferred podcast platform. And for updates on the show, follow us on Twitter at Safe Room Pod. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you guys next week. Murder in America is a true crime podcast that covers stories from all 50 states, including stories of mass shootings, serial killers, and lesser-known murders. Do you find yourself doing more research after listening to a true crime show? Well, Courtney and I used to do the same thing, and that's why we created Murder in America. Our podcast dives deep into each case. Our storytelling will make you feel like you're right there within the case with us, watching it all play out, and we do not shy away from the graphic details. If you're a fan of true crime, then listen to Murder in America on Spotify now. 